In this episode of the Behind the Curtain podcast, we'll be speaking with Christy Ray, actress and co-founder of the local production company Honeyhead Films. To start, I would love if you could just tell a little bit of your story and where you're from and how you got to be here and the inspiration behind your decision to be in the film world. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. I have never wanted to do anything other than what I'm doing right now. When I was a very young girl with a desire to be a performer, every actor has that moment where you realize it's your path. People talk about it a lot. Like, well, when was your actor moment? Well, when was the thing that like made you realize you wanted to do this? And it's one of my earliest memories. I grew up in Eastern North Carolina in a little small town called New Bern. That's sort of like where I live now here in Wilmington, but it's, it's much smaller and more quaint. And my, my grandma, my tutu, she took me to the theater a lot. And I remember seeing the sound of music with her when I was five years old. And prior to that, it had always just been adults performing on stage. But, you know, there's all of the Von Trapp children and the youngest girl, Greta, I guess is her name. She was played by a girl who was my age. And I realized that was something that I could be doing. And I remember asking her at intermission, Tutu, how do I, how do I get to be up there? And she flipped the program over and showed me the auditions for the play, you know, and took me there and I got cast in the show. And I was six years old when I did my first theater production and have been acting my whole life ever since. So I pursued it on a local level as big as, as you can get in a small town. There was no film opportunities in New Bern. That wasn't something that really existed here. The way the independent scene is pretty prolific in Wilmington. It's a really special place. And we can talk about that a little bit more later. My parents were really supportive of me being happy and wanting to pursue something creative if that's what my heart wanted to do. And all they ever said, my mom in particular, was just, I just want you to be happy. That's all I want you to be when you grow up. You know, you don't have to go to university if it's not right for you. You don't need to fill a quota or make a certain amount of money. I just want you to be happy. And acting made me happy. So they supported emotionally, but they weren't the kind of people who were going to drive me to auditions or you know, be like stage parents in any way. I have a lot of siblings and it wasn't something where I got like special treatment because I was interested in the arts or anything like that. So it was a creative outlet for me. And I knew that it was my path. I knew I wasn't meant for Broadway though, because I'm not a triple threat by any means. Um, And you just have to be something else. I've lived in New York. I, um, after high school, I had kind of a wild journey of, of deciding that theater wasn't my path and I wanted to go pursue film. And I know that's something you want to talk about is advice for people getting into the industry. And I have like a really funny kind of odd origin story of like where all of my opportunity came from. And it, and I always share it with, with young actors and young creatives when they're feeling like they've hit a rut because nobody's path is the same. Um, and something I want to encourage people to hear is that there's not a set way of doing things and that if you're able to tap into opportunities and to think outside the box for yourself, you can create a memorable life and um, a mark on a community. And that is in ways way more fulfilling than just like 
landing the lead role all the time or like getting, getting the gig and like winning the job. I think my evolution from being just an actor into being an actor and producer, I do about 50, 50 these days. It has completely created a space in my heart where I'm able to give back so much more as an actor. It's like generally all about you. And it's like me, 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 cast me, pick me, choose me, love me. And now as a producer, I get to play the roles I'm right for and also create opportunities for other people to come on board and to give everyone a shot and to place people and like build teams and create the full vision in ways that I was always interested in how it all worked, but I didn't realize that I had what it took to kind of make it all happen, if that makes sense. It does. Two other things that I want to say from what you just said that that kind of piqued my interest for sure, which is the idea of, of playing the roles that are right for you. Definitely interested to know what that means because I'm, my knowledge of acting is so limited and I'm so fascinated by it. So I'm wondering if you encounter a personality in a script and it just resonates and you feel that. That's the one question. And the other is the transition between being on stage to being in films. In theater, on stage you can kind of put on a character. It's very much an outward expression. You've got to reach the back row. You're projecting, you know, you're you're like putting on the costume and you're becoming something that many, many, many actors have done in their own way. And you're always trying to make it unique, but it's a character. It's like part of history. The plays that you're bringing to life have been seen and digested by so many people. So there's already an expectation of the role, right? And it's kind of like you're getting typecast into these different parts and it's great fun. And, And I knew that there was more to it that I was capable of. I knew that I wanted that, that intrinsically intimate experience that you get acting in film where it's more of a feeling and it's more of a subtlety and an understanding of the backstory For me personally, I think there are probably theater actors that would argue that they go through that process on stage, but it was just nothing that I I really could tap into. I wasn't doing a lot of straight plays. There just weren't a ton of opportunities where I grew up. So the transition into moving into film from theater was, it was really challenging. I, I had these big stars in my eyes. I literally like packed up at 17, graduated high school and just moved to LA. And it was like that thing that you do. And you're like one of the thousands of little starry eyed blonde girls from a small town, you know, just like dumping out of the plane with a plan and a little bit of money. And what a humbling experience that was. It was, um, I'm incredibly thankful that I did it, especially at such a young age, because I almost immediately recognized that my soul was it wasn't very happy there. It felt scared all the time. It was like really overwhelming. And there was quite a bit of ingenuine experiences that happened to me. And I wasn't necessarily emotionally prepared or nothing from living in my small town prepared me for moving to Los Angeles at 17. And I stayed as long as it made sense financially. There were a lot of funny, funny anecdotes around that, like lying about my age to get an apartment with, you know, this young actor guy, Diango, who was in, in one of my classes and he was much older and I felt safe with him. So like, we're going to get an apartment together so I could make it work a little bit longer. And all these adventures that I remember, I, it's been like 10 or 11 years. So it's funny to think about them, but I kept having to move like further and further out of West Hollywood. 
to make my dollar stretch, you know, and taking the train in and out of town and like walking these streets at nighttime. It was just, I was very lonely and it wasn't the big starry eyed dream that you kind of think of. And I would go out for auditions. I had this made up resume. I had created, like, I totally lied. It's like, you know, no one's going to pay attention to you unless you've had some experience. So I showed up with some fake short films that I had starred in or been in my friends' names as the director, you know, and just hoped that nobody would Google it. And it was a time when Google wasn't like total, it was like 2008, you know, so instinct. Yeah. It wasn't like they could stalk me on social media yet or anything like that, but no one, no one um, took my bait and I didn't get cast in anything at all while I was there. I did some, some training and eventually when I, I decided to go back, it was kind of like I had to, because I didn't have a lot of money and it's really expensive to live there for a 17, 18 year old in hindsight. I can't believe my parents let me do that. I'm like, what were they thinking? I have no idea, but they just knew I was so strong-willed. I was going to do it anyway, I think. So they just gave their stamp of approval and I was off and they took me back in, you know, like good parents do when it doesn't work out. But I, I felt very disheartened to be honest. I was 18 and everyone in my hometown was really rallying behind me moving out there. They, they would like nickname me Hollywood and call me all these things. So it's like really encouraging and wonderful. But at the time when, when maybe like the dream doesn't happen right away, it doesn't take off in the way you thought it would, it can feel really discouraging. And on top of letting myself down, I felt like I let my whole community down, which is so sad to think now I don't feel like that anymore, but at 18, it was, it was challenging, but there was a really exciting turn of events that happened maybe a few weeks after I got back to North Carolina. And it was a time, I don't know if you know much about the tax incentives in the state, but maybe like 2007 to 2014, there was a lot of infrastructure for indie film in North Carolina. And a lot more people were producing independent feature films, a lot like imaging, which we'll talk about later. And there was just more opportunity. I'd say these days, it's kind of hard to get your foot in the door the way things are right now. A lot of the projects are much bigger budget and you need, you know, either you're going to play like a really small role in something, or you just need a foot in the door or some experience. So that's why people are moving to places like Atlanta, where there's just more, the more going on, the more indie film people are making their things happen. So there was an audition for a lead role in a movie called The Virgins. And this was in 2009, I think, or maybe that's when it came out. It's like so hard to remember. I was like 18 or 19. And I remember bringing my fake resume and auditioning for this this co-starring role in the movie. And he cast me the next day. He wrote to me in an email and said, I think you're great for this part. And I'm excited to offer you the role. And it was like instant tears. You know, it felt like just because it was a big deal. It was the lead in a feature. And I'd never been on set in my whole life. I'd never even been in a film, but he believed my fake resume and like trusted my intuition as an actor. And I I do remember the audition. I do remember feeling connected to the material and doing a good job, but it just felt so good to be home and to be validated and realize there was opportunity here in North Carolina that I didn't need to necessarily follow the traditional path and go to LA or go to New York City. 
city and that there, there could be something for me here. It was kind of like a rebirth of my dream that's been really significant to my whole story. And I met some people that I still work with on that project. So it, it definitely came to fruition in a beautiful way. The, the movie was really experimental in hindsight as themes I didn't even understand as an 18 year old. And I felt very young on set. Everyone was probably maybe like there were some college students and there were some like 30 year olds on set. And it was like, I was 18. So I felt, I felt like I need to absorb all of the knowledge right now. Like what's a mark? What does that mean? Okay. When they say action, I guess that means I go, I'd never been mic'd up before. I was sort of just faking my way through, but I did a really good job because no one knew, no one ever knew. And I told them many years later and they were floored. They just like had no idea. So I learned it was like my film school and my acting school was being the lead in a feature after lying on my resume. So those kind of things do happen. They happen. I never was like a background. I never played a supporting character. And to this day, it's kind of like my type is this like down to earth leading lady role. This is like where I fall into the equation in the indie film world. And you asked a a really insightful question about playing the roles that you're right for. It's not that I'm not right for supporting roles. It's just no one ever cast me in them. I don't know why. And I'm not complaining about it. It means I work a little bit less. There's just not usually that many opportunities to play that, but it's just like time and time and time again, my resume, it's just lead, 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 lead. And that's, that's kind of my type. It's like the leading lady or the ingenue. You just, you just sort of fall into something. So I'm not really like a character actor who would take on like the quirky gas station attendant. Maybe as I grow older, I could be like the strange aunt or like, you know, the kind of like eclectic, like yoga lady, or like, I don't know, things that I really am in real life, but people don't generally like put me in that in their brain. So there are definitely roles that I've turned down before because I felt like I couldn't realistically connect with the material and bring the character to life. And every choice you make as an actor, it's kind of like it's out there forever. So you don't want to, I mean, I shouldn't say you don't want to. I think that people can do whatever they want, but my path, uh, I try to be kind of strategic about things and, and knowing that they have a shelf life and that they'll always be out there and people will be able to access them even in your later years. It's like exciting and like invigorating and a little scary to think about. So there's definitely a lot of thought that goes into it. And if something you know, like if my agent sends me a role, it's sometimes challenging to not judge it and be like, well, I doubt they're going to cast me in this anyway, but here we go. I'll like go on tape. But sometimes I have those feelings. It's like, you just kind of know if it, if it says like open ethnicity, I'm like, well, they're definitely not going to pick me because now there's like a race quota and it's wonderful. You need to like have enough African-American and Asian-American people and Latina people in a movie. So it's very rare if it's an open ethnicity role, they're going to cast the blonde white girl. And that's wonderful. She had her heyday was before I became an actor, but I'm all about the equitable change and diversity in film. That's part of like why we established my production company, Honeyhead. I found an audition one day on Craigslist. And back then that was like kind of okay to be looking on Craigslist for casting. I do not recommend it anymore. It's gotten very sexual and strange. So if you're listening to this and you're an actress, like don't just don't do it. I've had much luck on Craigslist, but I really don't recommend it. Um, But I did find this casting for a movie called Pieces of Talent. 
And the casting call came from a man named David Long. And you've watched the film. So you can imagine that that was very scary when I read the script. And I realized that David Long was a serial killer uh, who made snuff films inside of the movie. And he was emailing me to be in his movie. There was some reservation, but they gave me the sides. And it was one of those things, Kara, where we were talking about when you just feel connected to the material. What I knew of this girl, Charlotte, the character, was that she was from a small town. She had a dream of being an actress and she was lacking a lot of authentic opportunities. And she kind of grew up like not in a great environment and had a dream and was down to earth and open. And she was willing and open. And these were all things that I knew that I had in me as a person and I could bring to the table as myself. I wouldn't need to stretch myself too much. I knew that it would come off very authentic. And I also, I don't think at the time I had done any horror films, but this movie kind of changed my life in a way where like, Everyone wanted me to be in all their horror films. So it's like, in a way, it opened a lot of doors in that genre, which I'm very thankful for. So I went to the audition. It was in Wilmington. It was at some kind of office space. It was like really sort of sterile. Obviously they had like rented the spot to like make it professional. The only thing that I didn't have in common with Charlotte is that I was not a smoker. And she was one of those like cool indie girls that like wore band t-shirts and like chain smoked all the time. And so I remember telling all my friends in Newburn about it and they, they kind of like smoke cigarettes and stuff. So all my friends were trying to teach me how to like roll a joint and smoke a cigarette so that I could like pull off this role. I remember getting to leave work early. I was like waiting tables at this restaurant, like pick up shifts when I was in town and my boss let me leave. And I was like driving, my hair was all crazy. And I was trying to get it to like be crazier because I felt like Charlotte wouldn't wash her hair. And I wore this t-shirt that I got at like a concert And I showed up, I was so nervous. I was scared they were going to like murder me. You know, it was like, I was actually scared that what was happening to the character in the script was really going to happen to me. And it was, it sounds silly, but it like really was terrifying. It was frightening. I like had a guy friend named Adam and I, I let him know where I was. And I was like, if I don't come back, if I don't call you in a couple hours, I want you to like come here. Right. I think that was for the callback because they wanted to do the callback, like at their private residence. And I was like, every flag was going off in my mind, like, don't do this. But I wanted the part bad enough. I went and did it. And part of them, like the the guys who made the movie, the producer and director and actor, they ended up becoming my best friends in the world. And they were really kind of screening me. They really wanted to make sure that they were getting the right person for the part and that they wanted to spend the next three to five years with me basically so in hindsight I understand but as like a 19 year old it was really scary and um we ended up moving into production in like four months I think we we shot in August or July of 2009 for like 19 or 20 days here in Wilmington and I was just sleeping on my sister's couch she was a student at UNCW and it was fun. I met some of my best friends that are still my friends today. And they're all working as people that like your sister knows and works with that are total pros in the industry now. And everyone was kind of growing together through that project. So it was like a true indie film set here in Wilmington, where the movers and shakers that are like big players these days were just either still in, in university at Cape Fear, you know, in the tech department there at the film school, or they were teachers at that university. So it was kind of like all crewed by Cape Fear students. It was really special. 
And I loved the process. I loved all the guys that were on set and a few of the ladies, definitely different working with men behind the camera and, um, and directing than it is working with women. But I do remember just having like a bunch of brothers. It just felt like there was this protective sort of nurturing energy around me. And I felt really supported in that film. And I feel like what an amazing film school experience. I was able to kind of learn a lot more about filmmaking as a whole, because it was like a transparent process when, when I was on set. And I learned a lot about being a great AD and being a great producer and what it meant to like treat people well or not. And a lot of like what not to do, what to do and these kinds of things. And when that movie was in post, it took many, many years. It was like one of these things that we thought it was going to go into festival circuit right away. And I think it was four years after we wrapped in 2009, we did a lot of reshoots for that project. And the director was also the editor, was also the DP and the sound designer. And he's an incredibly talented perfectionist. So everything just needed to be. And I'm sure, I mean, you watched it, I guess, yesterday. It's really good. It's really yeah. good for like being a $75,000 film. Yeah. It's really incredible. But there was a lot of Joe, the director, writer, producer, DP, sound designer working for free over four years to put all of his efforts and talents into the movie. And when it finally premiered, it blew up in the indie scene and I got to quit. <laughs> there's like a whole, you know, there's like a whole thing to my life. We don't have to get into it. It has nothing to do with acting. I like traveled, lived in Hawaii, lived in Atlanta and joined a weird cult in Texas and like moved all around and then came back to Wilmington. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like in 2014 to come live here and like start over sort of in the film industry. And um, Joe asked if I wanted to go on tour with the movie. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to quit my job at Sweet and Savory that I'm not happy working, but the lady just needed me to like have a real job to like sign this lease. Cause I had just gotten into town, you know, and I said, I'll go on tour with you. Great. Let's go promote this film. And that's when everything clicked in my mind that I needed to make space for the things I really wanted and not worry so much about having that survival job and just knowing the money will come. And if you're so focused on being able as an artist to, you know, get by and, you know, wait tables or like be a nanny or do all these like random things that feel flexible, but they really like steal your energy. And I'm not telling you to go out and quit your job, but I'm just saying maybe find a way to only accept creative work if you're, if that's your path. And that was like the first step was like, I'm going to do this because it's taking a risk, but I know it's a mitigated risk, right? Like they're going to put me on tour. I'm going to make 200 bucks a week touring and selling the movie, but they're going to drive me around, put me in a hotel and feed me. So I don't have any expenses. I'm just able to save 200 bucks a week for like the four months that we're going to tour this movie. I'm going to meet thousands of people who are obsessed with this film, like literally so crazy, like want autographs, want you to hold their baby. Like it was like very random. Like here I am in my sundress, like at this horror convention, just being myself, what has happened? And all of these people are just obsessed with this movie because it's really good. And it came out of the indie underground horror scene where things are just kind of comparatively speaking, they're just not as professional looking and they don't have as much thought and heart that went into them. I think I'm really proud of the production value of that film. I'm proud of the performances. We won a lot of awards for it. And 
I can't take credit for all of it, but it's, it was really wonderful to be a part of. So I kind of got sprung into this underground indie fandom of these horror lovers. And they still, to this day, it's been like 10 years and they still follow and champion everything that I do as an actor. It is really incredible to see them support Honeyhead in like our very different way of doing things. And even down to like the silly commercials that I shoot with my dog, they'll like watch and champion and share because it's like, they remember I was nice to them at that convention and we sang karaoke together. And like that movie was so good. They just want to see me be successful. And it was such a blessing to be able to connect to people and realize that they're there to champion your career and that they think you have a talent and they want to see you succeed. That was really life-changing for me in a lot of ways. And shortly after that is when I met Erica. What a fascinating story. I'm really just blown away by your whole journey. From what you're describing, I've so freshly watched pieces of talent. So it's really, I still have lots of images. Yes. Head. Yes. And you're describing just this really tender environment and these really deep and meaningful relationships of support and growth which is amazing to me, having just seen this film where there's so much trauma and just so much violence. And so how did those two things relate? How did the content of what you were portraying interact with that environment? What did you do to switch into that mindset? Did it follow you out of that role? Like when they when they called cut and you had to then just, you know, be yourself again? Yeah, I think it's actually a really insightful question, especially for someone who doesn't know much about acting. I can see why it's really fascinating. I learned a lot about my process on that movie because I think there's like three really heightened emotional scenes for me as Charlotte, where I'm being locked in the trunk of a car, uh, being chased through that cotton field. And then obviously the climactic ending scene was just hyper, hyper emotional. So there's a couple different types of actors. The method actors, generally speaking, are all in and they're like on set and they're in character and you kind of don't talk to them unless they're ready to go because they have to maintain the emotion throughout the whole day. And it can be very exhausting. It gives me chills. Yeah. And it's fascinating and it's incredible. And Nothing I'm saying is to cast judgment on anybody's process, but my particular process, even though I'm a trained method actor, I'm very capable of switching it on and off, even like to receive direction. I can absorb it and listen in character and then enact it without losing my emotional arc there. I'm a hyper intuitive person who is very sensitive and I'm, I'm quite an emotional person so that all of that comes really naturally to me to be able to experience. It's hard to say, like to be able to experience trauma is very natural. I didn't have like a super traumatic childhood or anything like that. I just am in touch with myself. And even before I went to train in method acting, I was implementing the techniques that they trained me to have before I knew that they existed. So I realized I was on the right path studying method acting at Lee Strasberg after I wrapped pieces of talent because I was already performing in that way without the, the needing to be on all the time and like be my character on set. So without giving too much of the movie away, but we can kind of talk in code to people, right? So 
what's, what's happened with Charlotte's mom and like what she knows of it when she arrives to the farm or, you know, shows up there unknowingly in the trunk, it's like pure panic and fear. And even though I've never experienced anything like that, it's, it's like you begin to think in the, I am Charlotte, this is happening to me. How do I react? What do I feel? And in thinking that and answering those questions as a character, the emotions, they bubble up. And it's like um, your anxiety of what wanting to get the performance right can be channeled into the anxiety that the character's feeling too. So I feel part of it was just general like nerves and, and most of it was knowing the given circumstances of all that's led up to this moment and, and having no idea who's behind the kidnapping and, and all of that. And then when the realization happens, it's like that total panic and fear over her, her face and the fighting back and all of that, that was like the most challenging and rewarding moment of my career as an actor. I feel like nailing that scene at the end, the climax of the movie for like three reasons. One was that we shot a different ending several years prior to that. And it didn't work in the movie. Like we had the final cut and it was like, the end isn't impactful enough. We need to like up the ante. And so we got together again with a few members of the crew, rebuilt the set. I was 23. So I was like, I'm 19 in half of that scene and I'm 23 in another half of that scene. So going back there, wearing the same clothes, having the same makeup team and all of that was really crucial, but it was like my body had changed. There was a lot. I had become a vegetarian and like lost weight. And like, it was just some things that were like different that you probably won't notice like watching the movie, but I see them and I'm like, it's so crazy to me that half of this is in 2013 and half that's in 2009. The scene is just like cut, 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 cut. And you can't tell, but I was able to match the emotion. And I knew going into it almost in a producer sense, because I'd been attached to the film for so long and involved in the process for years, I knew where it needed to go. So I I was like hiding myself up and I knew it was kind of like we had one shot for some reason. I don't really remember why, but it felt like we just needed to nail it. And we just did. We nailed it. We only did one take and it was like, we knew that that was it. There was a lot of trust between me and Dusty who plays David's character, he, he had become my best friend, you know, and I trusted him and he trusted me. I I think I like really did beat him. Like we, like we talked about it. I was like, how do you feel? I don't know if I can fake this. And he's like, I want you to do what you would do. And it was very much like, we knew these characters so well, and we knew each other so well that we actually just slipped into them. And I expressed all the anger that I felt Charlotte would feel towards David. And I let him have it. And he took it and it was like in that strange silhouette scene. Like I'm really, I'm just like kind of beating the crap out of him. And at the end, we both like fell on the ground and the tears were real. And it was like, you do get lost in those moments occasionally. And that's when it's really good, you know? And I'm not saying you need to like beat your co-star for it to be really good. But if you have that kind of trust where you can, you can really let it out and go all the way, that's, what's going to make a lasting impact on the audience. And the third reason I'm really proud of that scene is that the audio wasn't great. And when we got into post, they told me that we needed to ADR the scene. And I don't know if you know what automatic dialogue replacement is, but it's basically when you you put on headphones and you listen to every breath and every scream and every word that you're saying, and you have to match your mouth and you have to re-record it in the studio. Wow. That was also one take. And it was like, I watched it once. 
And then I realized I got this, like, I know myself, I know I'm just going to follow along. I'm just going to go back there. And so I re-recorded the audio. They watched it. They played it back. They played it back again. And they were like, we got it. We nailed it. Like you did it. Like it, that's it. And so the audio is like from four months after we shot the reshoot. And then it's like two different eras in my life being cut together. So that scene, I'm just really proud of, you know, and it's like so strange because it's very dark and it's very gruesome. But at the end, the movie has kind of like a silver lining and it's wonderful. So the processes can be very intense when you're dealing with horror. And even for the film we're going to talk about later, Imogene, the process is very intense because it's it's pretty personal for me. And there's so much at stake here with this movie. So I feel very emotionally and personally bound to the character. And I think that is what brings out really solid, good performances that speak to people. So I'm always excited when I can relate. When I can relate is when I get stoked about a role. When I have no connection at all, it it sometimes can feel two-dimensional because I just don't necessarily know much about that kind of lifestyle. And it's like, I'm only putting on a way that I perceive you know, an affluent, like Victorian woman to act. I've never been her. I don't know anyone that is her. And that's where it starts to feel like theater acting to me, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Does that answer your question kind of about like hype and then the, the it thing and like the emotion that goes into big scenes like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It brings up another question. I'm sort of wondering if acting has impacted your sense of self in a way. It just, what, what it sounds like you're saying, and I don't know if you mentioned this in your interview, was it morbidly beautiful about finding the truth in characters and then really sort of using that grain to create that most authentic performance because it sounds like that's what you're saying, where you sort of latch on to the truth of the character. And you you had said at one point, which was so beautiful, really stuck with me, that you had the pieces inside of you to create this character and like bring her to life. So I guess maybe has acting solidified your sense of self and your sense of identity and in, in that you know what you have inside that you can either play up or maybe play down a little yeah I've honestly this is so fascinating because I've never thought about it in the way that you are constructing the thought and in the ways that it's changed my sense of self are very practical to like self-expression and my self-confidence and my ability to influence and positively affect other people I feel like my acting career has helped in a lot of ways with like weird feedback you get when you're like starting out in the industry I remember when I moved to New York for school I got a scholarship to Lee Strasberg and I studied method acting there after pieces of talent so kind of like picking up where that feature left off. And I got a manager there who told me I needed to like lose 15 pounds and get braces. And she was just very New York about it. Wow. And I was, you know, 20 and you're kind of taking that to heart. And first of all, I'm like, I didn't come from a family that could afford to give me braces when I was growing up. It just like wasn't in the cards to this day. It's still something I'm a little bit self-conscious about, but something wonderful about it is that I get to play the real characters because my teeth are not perfect. So I get to play those girls that are like 
genuine, right? And they have like that light in them or kind of like the downtrodden character you want to root for. Like I get that a lot too. And there's a lot of heart in that, that I can bring to the table where maybe a pretty perfect Barbie girl, you just wouldn't connect. You'd be like, oh, Regina George, you go be a snob somewhere. And like, I don't like to play those characters. So in a way, all of those imperfections have given me voice and given me self-confidence because inherently, like I do know that I am a beautiful woman and I am a light-filled human and that I have a natural beauty that shines beyond like having perfect teeth or perfect features or like skinny chicken legs and all these things, you know? And now that I'm a producer and I'm able to have a voice for women in this very male-dominated industry and I'm able to create opportunities about films and projects and roles that I care about and want to bring to life, I'm very rarely interested in casting the really beautiful people. I love the interesting nuances that come along with like humanity. And I think there needs to be a lot more of that expressed on screen. And I feel fortunate enough that people saw that in me before this became like a movement. And I feel like we're living in a time where that is changing a lot. I feel like the nineties are over and like, no offense to Jennifer Aniston, but like, you know, like friends is not a show anymore. And it's like, it's like these kind of things where there's just diversity and there's just an interest to see real life and truth depicted on screen. That's, that's, that's where the sense of self and sense of identity has become strengthened because I realized that so many things about me are interesting and it's not just my hair color or like that I fit into the type of like the female lead. I'm like always going to be the envy gym. Like I know that I will probably not play the Regina George character and that's totally okay with me. It's like not in my wheelhouse. Relatable human expression. That's my wheelhouse. And I can bring that authentically because I am a relatable, sensitive woman that brings that to every role. So around the time of the Pieces of Talent tour, I also went back on Craigslist and was looking for casting. And like I said, I don't recommend it. And I have no idea why Erica was up there casting her first short film, but the stars were aligned. And I remember her casting call being very interesting. There were two female characters. I couldn't choose between which one I wanted to submit for. So I I auditioned for both. And the character descriptions and the backstory and the sides that she provided were so well thought out. They were not, there wasn't a physical characteristic listed, maybe an age range, but that was pretty much it. It was all about what the character did, felt, how they interacted with the other people in the script and talked about their motivation. So I had so many tools, less about my physical appearance, which is all casting called. They're always for women. It's like, has nice breasts, uh, you know, hot mom, trophy wife. Wow. Doesn't know she's pretty. Oh my God. Kind of, kind of on the thick side, but still good looking. It's like ridiculous. These things, I read them daily and it's like next, next, next. I'm just deleting submissions at this point. You know, I'm just, I'm like over it. I'm over that. Where's the grit? Where's the thing that these characters are feeling? That's how you're going to get me to audition for your role, right? Like give me some, thing of substance and then I will take notice. And ironically enough, Erica, at the time I she was just an email, you know, I knew that she was a woman. I thought that was very interesting. I never had a female director before, a female writer. I didn't realize she was like my age and my creative soulmate on the other end of these email threads. I submitted a tape for her. She cast me as one of the two leads in her short. She gave me the script. She gave me a call sheet. She told me when to show up. We didn't do rehearsals or anything like that. 
And I remember driving down to Curry beach. I was really nervous. Like I was going to meet all these people. You always, it's like the first day of school jitters on the first day of set. And I knock on the basement door of the beach house and, and she opens it and she was there. And I know you don't know Erica yet, but we're like the same, you know, we're like the same height. We're both little blonde girls. Our birthdays are like a week apart. We're like best friends. And she was just there being all smiley and said, hi. And I was like, hi. And then we went and made a movie together and it was a couple days. We all stayed at the house. It was kind of like movie camp. It was really fun. It was her parents' beach house. And she, she just constructed a narrative around something that was accessible to her and was able to provide a place for everybody to stay so that we could all make the movie in a couple days. And that was how I met her. And it was such an enjoyable experience collaborating with her. We eventually decided to keep making films together. And it wasn't quite in the plan to become a female production company. That was sort of by happenstance. You know, it was like this pipe dream that a mutual friend of ours from way back when, like when I did my first show in New Bern, you know, I'd known Devin, my one of my oldest best friends since I was seven. And she came back into my life around the time when I met Erica. She'd been living in New York, pursuing acting and theater. And she came to Wilmington and was like, I want to have an all-female production company. And I remember looking at her and being like, that sounds really hard. Good luck. Like, cool, you know? And Devin was just so brazen about it. She, she was like, we're going to do this. It's going to be all women. I don't know anything about it. I'm just going to go to Lighthouse Films and I'm just going to see if I can have a meeting and see if they can like give us some advice. And, you know, Devin was like part of the origin of Honeyhead and she really just paved the way for us to be able to accept that this was like really our path. And then, and then she kind of like dipped out and like went off and became a yoga instructor. And now she's just still our best friend, a huge cheerleader and supporter of what we're doing, but like created this entire platform for us to stand on in a way with just being unapologetically female filmmakers that didn't know what we were doing right away. Like I was probably too scared to, to come out and be like, we can do this. But she was, she was just like blindly ambitious enough to be like, we can do this, you know? And so, but Devin is definitely like part of the origin of all of that. So I always want to give her credit because she's sort of this mystery third honey head that like she's on our original logo that will never, ever change. And people are always like, who's the tall one? And we're like, it's Devin. She's, she's so wonderful. She's still like there helping and like emotionally supportive of everything. But we, we decided to make a short film here in Wilmington. It was called Somnium. And it was at a time where people were moving to Atlanta because the tax incentives had changed. It was like the end of 2016. And the people that were left were, were here and they were just itching to be involved. And they wanted to, to be involved in something creative, not like a commercial project or like a client doc or some video like that. It was like, where's the heartbeat? The heartbeat's always like narrative film. That's what people love to work on. And so we didn't really know much about what we were doing, but we knew how to treat people well, how to respect their time. And we had a great script and we were very resourceful and scrappy with like our small, small, small self-funded budget. So we produced a movie. Our cast and crew had an amazing time on set and they all encouraged us after wrap. You guys should do this again. You're really good at it. And that night I said, y'all, we need a name. We have to like name our company. We're going to like make more movies. Like what should it be? And the only name that was ever thrown out was Honeyhead Films. We were three blonde women. Like why the heck not? And so it just became born and it was like, 
we'll make an Instagram, we'll make it real, we'll make a Gmail, we'll just start calling ourselves a company and people will follow suit. And they did. And it was like no plan, no business structure, no idea what we were up for. And we just organically accepted every opportunity that came our way. We said, yes, we tried our best to make it all work and everything worked out exactly how it was meant to be. I can't say it was all perfect, but it was almost like too easy. So I know that I'm on the right path because I never knew how to be a producer until I just needed to be one. And it turns out I'm really good at it. And so I encourage people to try other things and to have the capacity to understand what goes into every role because you develop an appreciation for all of the different aspects of filmmaking. And then you learn how to treat people with a lot of gratitude and respect. And that's kind of the whole MO of our company is, is positive, positive influence in the, in the community and, and just treating people with the respect that everybody deserves in addition to creating a platform that can help elevate the voices of minorities and female filmmakers and to level the playing field for underrepresented characters, cast and crew in the industry. That's, that's like the big MO. And on top of all of that, I get to like act in a lot of our things and I get to create opportunities for other people. And now with Imogene, our inaugural feature film that we're producing, it's, it's like the whole honeypot's coming full circle in this way where there's a lot of similarities to Charlotte, the character I played way back when, and my character of Cheyenne, it's almost interesting the way they sound the same now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> um, they, they have the same kind of, they would fall into the same category of who they are as people. And I love that. I love that that's my type. I think I, it's definitely in my wheelhouse and I think I can really relate because the story's personal. It's like, I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood and I, I lived in one of those weird houses down the dirt road. And there was like a strange man in the trailer behind my parents' house. And, you know, the dogs were like in a pen and all, like all of this imagery from growing up in a tiny little hole in the wall place in Eastern North Carolina. It's so authentically depicted in this movie that people, they're just sensing the realism that is coming from it. And I think it's something we haven't seen explored in cinema yet for the South. I feel like the South hasn't had its time. It feels like the Midwest is getting its time with like Ozark and Winter's Bone and you know, California and like Cape Cod and all these places, there's these regional indie films where you explore kind of the nuances of that region. But think about movies about the South. Aren't they kind of lame and cheesy? And it's like caricatures of people like being Daisy Duke rodeo people. That's like, that's not really, really what we're looking at here. So like, let's get into the nuances of that socioeconomic group and let's find out how they struggle and how they succeed and how they think and talk and let's make them relatable. So that we're not forgetting them as a society. You know, we want to shed light on issues of, especially women's issues, but issues issues that these people in poverty in Eastern North Carolina face and how that affects them as humans to just kind of change the perspective around how we feel about different members of society. And movies shouldn't always be about the affluent and the rich. It doesn't need to always be the great Gatsby. Like sometimes the films about the people that are forgotten are more interesting and compelling anyway. So that's part of the the drive behind a song for Imogene and dealing with women's issues and romantic abuse, emotional, subtle emotional abuse and pregnancy trauma in these like off the map places. That So that seems to really resonate with, I think it was maybe your mission statement on the website that said that 
you founded Honeyhead to address the lack of authentic storytelling in media. What a powerful statement that is. If you think about the way commercial videography is generally, you know, consumed, it it always feels a little shiny and a little perfect. And we try to bring a narrative spin and a humanity to everything and see things through that cinematic lens and put the emotion back behind like the advertising. So if we have a commercial gig as Honeyhead, we're always thinking, I think as women, you know, we're emotional creatures and we're thinking how, how to connect the human experience to this, because ultimately we're so inundated with media these days. And it's like, you scroll once and you tap and you do all these things. It's like, you've got to, you've got to like feel it in your heart somewhere. And if we can bring that evocative imagery to the screen by just intuitively shooting in a way that we feel you should see and experience things, that's kind of our branding visually. The, the honey, the honeyhead branding is through that. And people do hire us because they like the way it feels when you're watching our work. What has your experience been of being in an industry that is so male dominated? People love to ask this question. And I think that they have an expectation that we're going to complain about men. And I have the opposite feedback. It's that our community in Wilmington, I don't know if we're just really lucky or if our city is very special, but everyone has rallied behind Honeyhead Films and created a completely supportive and nurturing environment for us to be able to be who we really are. And we haven't faced much backlash at all. It hasn't been, there hasn't been a lot of gatekeeping surrounding what we're doing in that I I don't want to be overly optimistic because I realize that I'm in a position of privilege, even by saying this, and it could be the color of our skin and the color of our hair. It could be that we're, you know, just really outgoing. I think a lot of it is the energy you put out there and, um, Um, we're just big believers in putting out what you want to get back. So I think we're just getting back what we put out, but I do know that a lot of other women are not experiencing that. So I don't want to like sound the alarm, like, Hey, y'all the gatekeeping's over because it isn't, it's still a huge issue. We just personally haven't had to deal with a lot of jerks. So we're, we're really fortunate in that. And I think that we are inspired daily by realizing we're inspiring other women daily and they do reach out all the time. And so I guess my big takeaway from all of this is being a woman in the male dominated industry has been a beautiful thing. It's like you get to be a light in a world and an inspiration that the dream is possible and that you can achieve it. You have to be creative and you have to be strong willed and you have to change some things about the way you speak to other men and the way you assert yourself. It's not intuitive to us women. I think that generally speaking, we're, we're a little less, Oh, I don't know. What do you think? And I just want to say this and could we maybe this and removing the maybes, the justs, the, I don't know, what do you think from your vocabulary? It goes a long way and learning to speak and assert yourself with confidence. It takes a long time, but once you're doing it, there's, there's probably very rarely going to be people trying to knock you off your soapbox or your, you know, the place you've like worked hard to get to. And if they are, you don't want to be around those kind of people anyway. So I would just like remove yourself from the situation and go find the homie bros that are going to be like cool to you, you know, because they're out there. And there are a lot of men who, who understand the need for diversity and they understand that they've had their chance to, you know, be dominating the scene and they do want to give voice and they are inspired by what we're doing on a local level. 
And, and even like, it's kind of crazy sometimes when somebody will reach out and they're like, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker in Denver. I've been following Honeyhead for years. And I would just love to have a conversation and pick your brain because I'm finishing film school and I want to pick your brain about this. And it's like, wow, people are paying attention across the country. And we just didn't even know, you know? So it's like, you never really know what you mean to someone or that you're like holding, holding the torch and like ready to pass it along and like creating a movement by just being, like I said, there was no plan. There was never any like thought behind let's jump aboard this movement, this train. Cause the train wasn't quite in motion when we became a company, the whole like me too. And the whole 50, 50, like change the ratio thing. That wasn't the the hashtag female filmmaker Friday. That wasn't a thing back in the day. It wasn't like we jumped on a trend. We just wanted to be in a safe place with other women. And we wanted to create opportunities for ourselves where we weren't sexualized or marginalized on camera. And, and also we wanted to be female shooters, editors, writers, and producers. And the men weren't given up opportunities for us to do those kinds of things on their sets. So we just created an environment where all are welcome, come as you are, and you can try those things out. And it's okay to not know the answer. And it's okay to ask questions and filmmaking should be enjoyable and it should be fun and it shouldn't be scary and stressful. And if we can do everything in our power to make the onset environment feel positive, then people are going to keep coming back and they're going to want to collaborate with you. And that's kind of been the business plan, which is so ridiculous, but it's not, it's been amazing. And we're experiencing exponential growth as a company. And it's all attributed to the root of who we are, I think, which is really special. It is. That's beautiful. How can we best support you and Honeyhead Films? Oh, that's so sweet. I would love to connect with anyone over social media. We're, we're very active on there as far as my production company. You can find us on Instagram at Honeyhead Films. We also have a website, Googleable, honeyheadfilms.com. Personally, as an actor, if you're interested in following my career, my website is christyray.net. And I have a personal Instagram that is related to acting. I definitely will promote films and projects that I'm working on, but it's also personal as well. I write a lot of poetry and take a lot of photographs, a lot of home life and like what I'm feeling and expressing myself as a human. So it's not entirely like awkward self-promotion, which I appreciate uh, when people are just genuinely themselves on the internet. So you can follow me there at Christy ray of sunshine and my name is spelled with a k and an i and an ray and additionally i would really love and and appreciate anyone supporting and following imaging the feature film that we talked about that's in development we're slated to start shooting in wilmington and the surrounding counties in july of this year and you can find us on instagram imaging movie we also have a website that I would love for you to check out because I've built it. I'm really proud of it. It's imagingmovie.com. And there's tons of ways for you to learn about the film, about the plot, who's involved, who's our production team and our producers and our partners on the project. And then ways that we're establishing a green initiative and we're tapping into the community through sustainability efforts and all kinds of recycling and upcycling of props and wardrobe and picture cars and all kinds of fun things. We're trying to be really innovative with this film on top of like having a whole mission for women and then for the community at large. So there's a lot going on there. So definitely plug in and check it out. We'd love to hear from you. 